Honey, son, get in here quick. I have fantastic news. What is it, Chris? Come on, come on. Yeah, Dad, what is it? Have you figured out where we're going on vacation? Is it Disneyland? Is it Hawaii? Ooh, yeah, no, no. Hawaii. This is, this is way more exciting than that. All right, and for vacation, we're going to Pueblo anyway. They, <laughs> they have a six-legged cow on display. It's going to be awesome. All right, but I digress, okay? No, this news, I have decided. Oh, come on, Dad, what is it? Are we getting cable? Are we getting, are we getting iPhones? Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, honey. Oh, You're the best. Well, while that may be true, that's not the good news. And hold on, those iPhones, they're just a fad anyway, all right? I mean, everyone knows if you just picture it in your head dropping, the screen's going to crack, all right? Everyone knows that. No, this good news I have, I have decided to let you two be my disciples. Your disciples? Oh, brother. Well, I'm in the middle of Grand Theft Auto, so I'm going to be oh, in Oh, yes. Room. About that, son, as your rabbi... I now forbid you to play such heathenistic material. How about Call of Duty? No. Resident Evil? No. Walking Dead? No. Oh, come on. You've played every one of those games. Exactly. I've played every one of them to make sure they were inappropriate for you. How about Mortal Kombat? Okay. <laughs> Get over here! Finish him! <laughs> it's such a good game. No, no, it's not. It's not a good game, especially that one, all right? I'm sorry, son, that's the way it's got to be. I've been remiss on my rabbinical duties lately, and that ends today. This is ridiculous, Chris. Uh, please, call me sensei. <laughs> please take a seat. <laughs> now, being a disciple is a very important thing. I've got years and years of knowledge in my brain that I've been keeping to myself, and that's not fair. It's selfish, really. Please, would you just be selfish? Anywho, there are two major rules to being a disciple. Rule number one, obey all rules. Rule number two, anything I say goes. Nope, I'm out of here. I'm going to be in the garden. Good luck, honey, son. Honey, can you... Can you please just, just go with it? I'm doing this for the boy. Can you just please play along? I promise I will not keep leaving the seat up. Please. Okay, but you're going to have to be quick. Okay. That's right. Sit down, woman. You can leave when I say you can leave. Nope. I'm out of here. Good hey. luck. Uh, see I'm going to be in the garden. Yes, go take care of the garden as your rabbi. I, I order you to do so. See, son, your mom is really taking to this discipleship thing. Look, she even waved at me on her way out. Dad, I don't, I don't think that was a wave. you got to love that woman. <laughs> Anywho, for your part of discipleship training, we're going to begin with the physical aspect, you know, to get your blood moving. The physical aspect? Yes. To quote Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off. Now get out there and join your mother. My car needs to get washed and waxed. That's not fair. Hey, son, this is just as painful for you as it is for me. Okay. But it's a necessary development in our rabbi-disciple relationship, okay? Now hurry up and get out there before it rains. Fine. Well, what are you going to do? I will be meditating and playing Mortal Kombat. I want to make sure level 16 is as, as evil as I fear it is. <laughs> wax on, wax off, Sub-Zero. Let's do this. There you have it. All you need to know about discipleship... 
Hey, give it up for uh, the drama team. It's been a while since we've seen Chris and Pete because uh, they've been on probation. Um, soon to be on probation again, I think. No, it, would you turn in your Bibles, please, uh, to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, uh, Matthew 28, and um, as the skit um, should have introduced to us, uh, I want to talk about discipleship this morning, um, something very near and dear to my heart and something that um, uh, I feel uh, that the church, that the people of God um, really need to hear um, these days especially uh, in some ways. Um, your Bibles are open to Matthew 28, and we find there something uh, called the Great Commission, uh, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. I know many of you at least uh, ha have heard it. Uh, before we jump in, let me set uh, the stage a bit. We've been looking at stories where Jesus met with people after he rose from the dead, and uh, this is the final week we'll be doing that in this series. And so in Matthew 28, Jesus is risen from the dead. And some women, if you remember the story, had run to the tomb, had gone to the tomb, and an angel and Jesus both tell the women to tell Jesus' disciples to go to Galilee, and they will see Jesus there. And that's where we pick up the story, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the very words of God. Amen? Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus had those disciples go all the way back to Galilee? God does that uh, sometimes in the Bible, maybe in your experience too. He has us go someplace, experience something when maybe our inclination might be, well, you know, I, I, I'm right here. Just, just tell me it now. Why have those 11 go all the way back to Galilee and climb a mountain? We can only guess, but a good guess contextually might be for many of those disciples, that's where they were first called to be a disciple and to follow, follow Jesus, remember? And so God takes them back to where it all began some three and a half years before, to a mountain perhaps surrounding the sea, looking down even at the harbor where he called many of those fishermen to follow him. And so he takes them all that way to make a point and while there are several things we could take from the Great Commission, I want to take one in particular. And it's one I think that if there's a one big idea, one key point that Jesus wants to get across to those disciples and to us today, it's this one. You know, if you look at the verbs in Greek in Matthew 28, 
of all of them, there's only one in the form that we would call an imperative form or a command. And that verb is make. The English smooths it out where it gets, um, so it sounds better to our ears. But really a better word-for-word translation of this passage would be something like, okay, as you go, of course you're going to go. As you baptize, as you teach, of course you're going to do that. But as you go, as you baptize, as you teach, make disciples. I think is Jesus' main point of emphasis here. To make disciples. Clearly it's something crucial and central to what Jesus wants for us. It's the main point it's make, he's making. It's the only command. So, that leads to this question, I think, for all of us this morning. Um, How's that going? Have you made any disciples? How would you answer that question? If I could pass around the mic. Have you made any disciples? You know, there was a time before I first looked at what discipleship meant in its context in first century where when I heard heard the question, have you made any disciples, that was the same question in my mind as, have you led anyone to a decision for Jesus? Or has God, uh, through you, used you that someone would... um, Um, believe in Jesus, ask them into their heart. And so those two questions in my mind were absolutely identical in all respects. I saw them both as, you know, uh, salvation questions. How many disciples have you made? Have you made any disciples? And or interchangeably, has God used you in any way to that you know of, to who have you led to the Lord? But as I look at this, as I've looked, I've come to realize, however, those are really two different questions. Have you made any disciples? Have you led anyone to a decision for Jesus? Two different questions, both good for us to be asking and acting on, but two different questions. So before we answer, really, have you made any disciples, let's try and inform our answer a bit. What are we talking about, actually, when we say make disciples, or even more specifically, what is a disciple in its first century context? That seems like a logical place to start. Did we see discipleship happening on that skit, in that skit a few minutes ago? Is discipleship commanding someone who's already decided she's going to go to the garden to go to the garden? Is discipleship, is discipleship commanding someone and ordering them around to wax your car or do the household chores? Is that, is that what a disciple is? I want to give you um, at least one working definition of a disciple, just for you to consider. It's not a perfect 
definition. It's not a complete one. Very few short ones are. But in my opinion, this gets at the core. It gets at the foundation. It gets at the guts of what a disciple is. So here it goes. A disciple is someone who intensely wants to be just like their rabbi. A disciple is someone who not only wants to be like their rabbi, but who intensely wants to be just like their rabbi. And let me elaborate a little bit. I used every possible font thing I could with intense. You see that? Bold, underline, italics. And when I say intense, I mean intense. It can be a loud intensity or it can be one of those quiet, focused, sometimes, oftentimes even more powerful intensity, but it's an intensity. It's a hunger. It's something that overwhelms you. You, you want it more than anything. A disciple of Jesus wants to be more than anything like him. It drives her. She wakes up every morning thinking about it. In every encounter he has, it's on his mind. Oh, I so much want to be like Jesus. And even if you don't know that what's up with this person is Jesus, if you run into this person, if you run into a disciple of Jesus, something immediately is going to, whoa. What's up with her? Something's different about him. There's this focus. There's this intensity. It's such an intense desire, it really is who you are. You are someone who wants to be like Jesus. Another way to say it, I want to add this layer because there's lots of misunderstanding, I think, um, out there. You are a disciple of Jesus when you want more than anything to live your life as Jesus would live your life if he were you. Here's why I think that's important. I opened the door on that a little bit three weeks ago. I talked about the what would Jesus do bracelets. If you were here, you remember. And while I think that's a fine reminder, the bracelet I would prefer would have the acronym, what would Jesus do if he were you? How would Jesus live your life if he were you? It'd be a long bracelet. And the reason why that's important, I think, is this. I mean... When you read in the scriptures and we know, Jesus was perfect. Right? Amen? Have you noticed about yourself, like I've noticed about mine, that uh, uh, me, that I'm not perfect? 
How many perfect people here? Awesome. Nobody raised their hand. You're in the right church. And this idea that I need to be like Jesus can quickly become, oh man, he's perfect. I've got to be perfect. No, you don't. Because he was already. But what he asks of us is, hey, together, can we live your life? Can you live your life with me, with you, and empowering you through the guide, the Holy Spirit, and his power? Can we live your life like I would live it if I were you? Including our struggle with sin and the fact that we will fail from time to time. And by grace, it's okay. And that's a little different emphasis, isn't it? And I think an important one. So a disciple is someone who intensely desires to be like the rabbi. If Jesus is your rabbi, you intensely desire to be just like him. And, and being like him means that uh, you live your life, you want to live your life as he would live it if he were you, all things considered by God's grace. So if that's what a disciple is, how do you make one? How do you make someone with that kind of all-encompassing, intense desire? Well, in order to make a disciple, absolutely, without exception, you need to first be one. Because discipleship is not taught, or we can teach about it. It's not taught, it's caught more than it's taught. Would you say of yourself, are, are you a disciple of Jesus? If you're like me, and I know many of you because we've talked, you know, and most Christians I know, there was a time when you first came to know the Lord and that intense desire to be like him burned bright and strong when you were washed over the first time over what it is that he had done for you in love and how much he still loves you. It's like, oh, yes, I want. And then as time goes on, life happens. And the intensity of that desire, the all-encompassing piece of it that is often there when faith is first found, it tends to get buried anything like me. If that's you, or when you go times, through times like that, if you do, how can you get that back? Let me give you one little four-letter word. 
That's my advice on how to recapture that intensity for the times that maybe it wanes. And that word is time. Spend time with the rabbi. Because remember, discipleship isn't a five or an eight or a 27-step process that you can learn. It's something you become from being caught by being part of a relationship where you are moved far more than your mind in your being. And that takes spending time with someone. And it's interesting to me, as an observer of culture, that as technology increases, our time to spend with the rabbi seems to exponentially decrease. When I taught um, high school Bible, easily the most difficult assignment that students told me that I ever gave them was when I asked them before the next class to go and find a quiet room in a quiet place where they were completely alone and to just sit still in solitude and in complete silence in a chair for 15 minutes. No music playing, nothing in your ears, no screen on or some white noise somewhere, and certainly none of this. <laughs> How could she say? You know, those little things more than ever. Do you find um, maybe before those, if you can even remember for those, there's fast coming a generation who can't. You find that when you sit down, when you do finally have a moment, you sit down and what do you reach for? robbing our time of just... And so I asked them to do this. At first they were excited. And I asked them just to come between, before the next class and to just, no one's home, turn the ringer off on the phone. You don't want to be disturbed. You're not going to get up for any reason. For this particular assignment, uh, don't have your Bible. That's good too. Just sit. Sometimes when you do that, you notice things that you didn't notice before. <laughs> Just sit for 15 minutes and allow the one who is greater than you and who is in you to have access to you with nothing else going on. Just
The stories that came out of that assignment are among the most remarkable stories I've ever heard. And the first part of the story always went, oh, that was so hard. It was impossible. How could 15 minutes be so long? But then the stories became, oh. And I'd ask the question, what came to your mind? Just had time to think and to reconnect with God. When we spend time with the rabbi, we need to spend time with him to reignite, if it needs reigniting, that kind of intense, all-encompassing, get up every morning, how can Jesus and I live together my life in a way he would live it if he were me? Let's go. So if you want to make a disciple, we have to constantly be, wor be working on being one first. When you're a disciple of Jesus, when you've caught that passion again, that's when you can now make one. How do you do that? I'll make it easy to remember because it's the same four-letter word. It's time. This time, it's spend time with others. Spend time with them. And as you spend time with them, being like Jesus, with them and to them, and as you live your life, loving them sincerely, sacrificially, truly investing in them, truly caring about them, you will touch them. And you will hand to God a tool, a tool that he asks us to hand him, a tool through your time and sacrificial love that will allow God to open that door to their desire and their passion to be just like you as you are like Jesus. You know, there's a big debate um, in this verse. Many commentaries and theologians assume when Jesus says, go and make disciples, well, obviously he means go and make disciples of Jesus. And while that's true, that's what we're called to do, I'll tell you something, in its context, those young men were called to make disciples of them as they were disciples of Jesus. That's the system. That's God's plan for reaching the world, even. Now, think through it with me. It's not setting yourself up as being rabbi instead of Jesus. Because if you are a disciple of Christ, and what really defines who you are is, I so badly 
want to be like him. If you find a connection with someone else who wants to be like you, what is the number one thing if that's what defines you they're going to want to be like? They're going to want to have that intense desire for Jesus too. Drives me nuts in the New Testament when uh, most translations, when they describe the people with Paul as he goes around spreading the word of God, they call uh, the group that Paul has with him his companions. Timothy's his disciple. Luke's his disciple. He's doing exactly what his rabbi did. And at the end of his life, or toward the end, think through the Holy Spirit, Paul sensed the end was coming. He stopped moving around so much, and he settled in Ephesus, I think in part to spend some more intense time in one place living life with his disciples. Jesus spent three and a half years with his disciples. Guess how much time Paul spent in Ephesus in one place with his Three and a half years. Before Paul, like his rabbi before him, went up to Jerusalem eventually to die. Just like Jesus. So if you want to make a disciple, you need to spend time with Jesus. And oh, when discipleship happens in church, when it happens within a people of God, oh, the power of this. See, we're not all individually called to be in all respects, in all manner of giftedness, exactly like Jesus. Not any one of us, even any local uh, lowercase c church, is called to be the complete body of Christ. But each of us differently gifted. Uh, some of you are gifted to be a toe or an elbow or a knee. Everybody wants to be the neck because it's right next to Christ. But you only have to be who you are. But the beauty of God's plan of witness for the church is when we're in church community, I can look at someone like Dan Sedlecki sitting over there. Hi, Dan. And I can say, oh, so glad I'm in community with you, brother. Because I see Jesus in this man. And it's Jesus in this man in a way that's not like Jesus in me. And I can say, oh, Dan, I so much want to be like you as you are like Jesus in that way. Marty, you're not like Dan or me. You're like Jesus in a different way. I so much want to be like Jesus as you are like him in that way. And so on and so on and so forth. And the power as we disciple one another in that way, it can change the world. In fact, it did once. And it can again if we dedicate ourselves to making disciples, spending time with our own rabbi to make sure, and spending time with them. Have you made any disciples? 
You know, God gives us in his grace and mercy ready-made opportunities to make disciples. Those of you with um, kids or grandkids, you know, what are kids? It's stereotypical almost, right? Kids grow up that, oh, they want to be like dad. Oh, they want to be like mom. And the devil tries to mess with it, so it's not always the case. But ideally, oh, I want to be like dad as he's like Jesus. I've been blessed with a dad like that. Oh, I want to be like my mom as she's like Jesus. I've been blessed with a mom like that. And you have an opportunity with your, have you ever thought of your kids as disciples? People ask me, those are my kids. There's something that happens when you, those are my disciples. One thing that happens for me is, man, their eyes are on me. They want to be like me. God kind of put that in them. Boy, my eyes better be on the rabbi because that's the thing about me that I want them to be the most like. So help me, God. And he better because I'll fail on my own. Do you have a disciple? I'll close with this. It's a quote from... um, pastor out in uh, California who I enjoy reading. And he was uh, talking about discipleship and looking around uh, the church in America, especially today, and he had this to say, um, his observations at least about uh, discipleship. Um, He said this. Go ahead and put up the slide. Simon says, pat your head, we pat our heads. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples we memorize that verse. Oh, don't let that be said of us. If you don't have a disciple, find one. Look around you. Chances are God has one in your life in some capacity. Your brothers, your sisters, you coaches of teams, oh my goodness. Parents, grandparents, any relationship you have can be you're discipling one another. And P.S. P.S. I asked or I suggested to you that those two questions were different. Have you made a disciple? Have you led anyone to Christ? Are they really different? What if someone who doesn't know the Lord at all, what if you get to know them and invest in their life and you hang out and associate with them as Jesus did? You, they're your friends, they're your companions. You're with them all the time. And they don't even know who the Lord is. But what they do know, if it's sincere, and you can't be a phony because they'll go, right, it has to be sincere. What they do know is you love them and you're investing your time in them. And they don't know the Lord at all. And they see something in you that they're grateful for. And it will touch them. And there's something in them will happen. It's human. And God knows us because he made us. So I think that's why it's a system. And you know what? They'll want to be like you. And if you are a disciple with that intense desire to be like Jesus, do you know what they'll want to be like? They'll want to be like someone with an intense desire for Jesus. Ooh, is discipleship evangelism? As we go, as we baptize, as we teach, let's make disciples. Amen?
Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day and this beautiful place. As, um, even on a weekend uh, where we remember those who followed well and who had an intense desire to live their lives in a sacrificial way for others. Father, we pray for that kind of intensity when we follow hard after you. Give us, Father, put in us um, the time to take the time that we need to spend with you, to rekindle that intense desire to be who you are. And in turn, Father, give us opportunity uh, to make disciples as you've asked us to do. And Father, may that indeed, again, change the world. Make us hungry again, Father. Make us hungry again to love you and to love others. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.